We've got a fascinating study on why you should believe what Jesus says about himself. So get ready. This is Bible Study Podcast. Another edition of Bible Study Podcast. The weekend is near, it's Friday, and as always, I'm your host, Justin, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We've got a pretty cool topic lined up for today as we continue to venture through John's Gospel. But before we get to that, I, w- I would just like to let you know that many of you who have been listening for quite a while to BibleStudyPodcast.org have probably noticed that there is somewhat of an apologetic lean to our site. For those of you who really are interested in apologetics, I'd like to remind you that Toby does a podcast every week on apologetics, and let me just tell you for a second what that is. Apologetics is the defense of the Christian faith, and uh, for those of you who are interested, you can listen to Toby, but I would also like to recommend a conference that will be coming up on November the 9th and 10th in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's called the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. There will be a lot of the leaders in the field of apologetics present, so I'd really encourage you, if you you can, if you have the ability to come out and take it and check it out, it'd be a great opportunity to learn about how we defend our faith as Christians. For more information, you can go to www.nationalapologeticsconference.com. That should be a good time, and uh, we'll all be there, so I, I encourage you, if you can, to to make your way out there. Um, also, I would like to ask those of you who are listening to be in prayer for me this week. I'm going to have a huge Greek midterm next Monday, so if you could just pray that I, I will prepare properly this weekend, that I'll be ready to do well on the exam, and I'll really be keen and get a good night's rest the night before, I would really appreciate it. Finally, I'd like to remind you that you can always reach me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. Of course, you can reach me with any questions, prayer requests, praises, or anything else that you may have on your mind. Now with that said, let's open our time with a word of prayer. Our Father, we we thank you for allowing us to read your word, for letting us to study your word. Lord, for it is the word you have given us so that we may know you better. Guide our hearts as we listen to your word together and lead us to praise you with our lives. Thank you for making a way for us to come to you, though we all are just sinners who deserve hell. Stir our hearts. Prepare our minds, Lord, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I get the opportunity to hear a lot of people give their opinion about something. In my job, I kind of drive around a lot, so I get to listen to the radio quite a bit. And, And in the course of listening to the radio, I often hear a lot of claims that people make about certain products or ideas. You know, I'm sure you guys all hear the advertisements and the endorsements that are put out daily by the media. The question, though, that often comes to my mind is, why should I believe these people? Why should I think their opinion is credible? Why should I trust them? You know, if somebody's going to tell me, oh, I can do this for X amount of dollars, why should I believe they can do it? How can they do it that cheap? How can they do it that well? Is there truth behind it, or are they just blowing smoke? I think this is exactly what's going on in our passage today, in John 5, 31 to 47. The question seems to be, why should the Pharisees believe Jesus? Now, I don't know what really went on, but 
I kind of imagine after what Jesus had just said in the preceding passage, you know, basically what we've looked at the last few weeks, that the Pharisees probably have been thinking the same thing, maybe even quietly saying among themselves, why should we believe him? You know, he's claiming to be the Son of God. He's claiming that he's the way to be saved. He's claiming he judges. Why should we believe him? Well, that's where we pick up today, in verse 31 and 32 of chapter 5, where Jesus, I believe, gives a bit of a concession to the Jews as he says, If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. See, this will be the point from here on out, that Jesus will be telling us why his testimony is true. He begins, though, by just saying, You're right. If I'm the only one that says I'm the Son of God, if I'm the only one who says I do the works of the Father, that I am the only way by which you may be saved, then you probably shouldn't believe me. But the catch is, as Jesus will show us in this passage, he's not the only one that says that. In fact, he directly says that there is another who testifies of him, and the testimony he gives is true. But before he tells them who authenticates his testimony, he begins, as he often does, with the contrast, starting in verse 33. It says, You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Verse 34. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He, speaking of John, was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. Now we'll stop there for a moment and kind of look at what we just read. What is Jesus saying? You know, what he's saying is that you sent to John, you listened to him, and he told you the truth. But the things I'm telling you about are not from man. They are the things that will lead to salvation. They are the words of God. But when John spoke, you listened. Why? Because he was a lamp that burned, that shined. He was a container which held the light of God. We kind of talked about this earlier in chapter 1, and he carried the light of God, and so you listened to him, and you rejoiced, at least for a time. But what I'm telling you is even better than what he told you. It's greater. See, the point is, you listened to John, who was giving you the words of man. You realize he spoke with the light of God, and it led you to happiness, to rejoice. But what I'm telling you is even better, because it is the word of God. It leads you to salvation, not just a temporal joy or temporal happiness, but to an eternal life. But again, the question arises, how do we know? You know, how did the Jews know that what you are saying is the Word of God? You're claiming it. You're putting it out there. But how do we know that we can trust what you say? Well, Jesus begins to answer this with the rest of verse 36. He says, For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me, that the Father has sent me. Now, this is our first big point, our first witness to Jesus' testimony. What he says is that the very works that the Father has given me, the signs, the miracles we talked about in the last two or three weeks, these testify that the Father has sent me. In other words, Jesus gives us his miracles as a proof that he is from the Father, that what he says is true. You see, the whole point of his signs, his wonders, is to let the people know that he is from God. He is testifying to the truth. So let's continue. Verse 37 says, And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. 
So here we see the father is the second witness to Jesus' testimony. But he qualifies this somewhat by saying, But you've never seen the father. You've never heard his voice. And this is an obvious contrast to what Jesus has just said about himself earlier in the passage. As he told the Jews that he did what he saw the father doing. He carried out the judgment that he heard from the father. In other words, I've seen him. I've heard him. You haven't. Now this is not anything new, for the people have never heard the Father's voice. They've never seen his form. So what's Jesus getting at here? Well, I think that's why this next verse is essential, because he's telling us, the people, the Jews, you don't have a clue. You don't even know about the Father. You claim to follow the Father. But he says the Jews do not even have God's word in them, and have even rejected the one whom he sent, showing they in fact did not know the Father. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, you've never seen the Father, you've never heard the Father, but you don't even keep his word in your heart. If you really knew the Father, you would know when he sends someone to you, but you don't. Now, Jesus really begins to turn it up as if this was not a hard saying, as if this wasn't very condemning to begin with. He turns it up a notch higher as we continue through verse 39. It says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes, you do receive him. Well, first Jesus brings up the third witness to his testimony, the Scriptures. And he lays into these Jewish leaders over the Scriptures, telling them, you read the scripture because you think they're going to give you life, but you don't get it. You see, the scriptures even speak of me. My signs, the wonders are speaking of me. The Father has sent me. But now even the scriptures which you read, the scriptures you think are going to give you life, they even speak of me. They even point to me. I am the one who gives you life, but you won't come to me. See, he continues that he doesn't receive his glory from men. Now, we'll understand this a bit more in the next verse, but... He says, instead, as he's mentioned earlier in the passage, his glory comes from men. He does not get his glory from men. He gets them from the Father. And Jesus lets them know, no, I don't get my glory from you. In fact, I know you. I know your hearts. And I know that you don't even have the love of God in you. In other words, how are you going to be the judge of whether I'm from God? Because you don't even know the Father. Or you'd accept me because I'm the one he sent. You don't know the scripture or you would know me because they testify me. In fact, if someone else came, you would just as easily accept their testimony. Because they tell you what you want to hear. Now we'll get into that in a second. But, but the point is, no, I don't need your glory for I come in the Father's name. I come bearing his witness and yet you don't receive me. So let's continue. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Wow, he, he came right at them, demanding of them. How can you believe when you just get glory from each other rather than seeking the one true God? You know, this is what we were just talking about. You guys are so absorbed with yourselves, so absorbed with getting glory from 
everyone else that you easily accept one another. You easily pick up the stuff that you're just spewing out at each other. But you don't even know the Father. And you don't get it. Because you're not even looking. You're not even looking for the truth. You're not looking through the Scriptures to see what is the truth. You're looking to see what will bring you glory. And in what I think was the death blow for the Jews, Jesus introduced his fourth and final witness, and that was Moses. Moses was their guy. He was the one who was righteous in their eyes. He was the one who laid down the law that these Jews so desperately followed. He is the one that they all look up to. He's the prototypical Jew as far as these Pharisees are concerned. It is in him, though. It is Moses, Jesus says, that will accuse the people before the Father. Why? Because he wrote about Jesus. And if you believe Moses, you must believe in Jesus. He concludes with a question that I think would have been a damning question for those Jewish leaders. He has taken them through his role as the Son of God. He has taken them through his authority, his power, his relationship to the Father. He has told them that he is trustworthy because his testimony is backed up by his miracles, by the Father, by the Scriptures, by Moses. And he's shown them that if they don't believe in him, they couldn't have believed any of his witnesses. And he leaves them with this question. But if you don't believe Moses' writings, how will you believe my words? Now I know you're wondering, why, why is this so bad? This doesn't seem like a huge deal. You know, if you don't believe him, why, why would you believe me? That seems obvious. But I think it's, it's crushing to the Jews. Because he's just shown them that if you don't believe me, if you don't even have a grasp of what I'm saying, then you don't even have a clue about what you believe. So you're sitting here holding up Moses. You're sitting here holding up the Scripture. You're saying, yes, this is from God. But he's saying, those are talking about me. They come back to me. If you don't get me, then you don't even know what they're saying. You don't get it. You're out to lunch. In other words, because you do not believe that it is through me that you have eternal life, that I am the Son of God, then you obviously don't even know what you believe. Because these guys you're claiming to believe, that's what they're saying. In fact, he says, the very thing you have committed your life to, the very thing that has made you known, that has made you the way you are, you don't even know it. Well, what can we take from this, you may ask? Well, I think there's two things. First, I think we see that Jesus is trustworthy when he gives his testimony because he has witnesses to back him up. But secondly, I think if we claim that we know the Scriptures, if we claim that we know the law, we claim that we know God, but we don't accept Christ, we're lying to ourselves. We're frauds. For if we really knew them, we would know Christ. And I want to challenge you today. Have you been reading the Bible for years? Have you made yourself an expert on it? But you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord? If you don't, you failed. Do you know God? Do you think you know God? Are you in tune with what God would want? Do you know how religion works? Do you know what you can do? The little works, the little duties you can carry out to please God? Is that what you think? You know the Father. Let me ask you, have you accepted Christ? Have you believed in His atoning sacrifice? If not, 
You don't have a clue. All that you believe is a lie. See, there's only one way that man can be reconciled to God. And all of these witnesses testify to the same one. It's Jesus. We can trust him for what he says is true as evidenced by his fourfold witness. Hopefully that will give you something to ponder, something to kind of chew on this week. But until we meet again, friends, God bless and keep you.